You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. I found myself this Thanksgiving uh, deep in thought, which is unusual for me. I'm a a shallow person. Uh, I'm kidding, I'm not. I'm not a shallow person. Some of you are like, oh my gosh, no. I I swim between both ends of the pool. I like the middle. Um, but, but I found myself a little bit in, deep in thought and just being so thankful for, which is kind of the purpose of Thanksgiving, <laughs> uh, to be thankful. But I found myself very thankful for, for so many things in my life. I found myself so thankful for our amazing church, for you guys, for our team, for our pastors, Pastor Jürgen, Pastor Leanne. I found myself so thankful for my health as I force-fed myself for six hours straight. And you did it too. You did it too. You were full, but you had another plate. And then you had pie. You know what my body needs after eating 4,000 calories? A pie. Makes complete sense. Thankful. found myself thankful for my friends, my parents, my sister. I found myself so thankful for my amazing wife, Pastor Emma. And um, I've really made it a priority in my life to tell Emma as much as possible just how blessed she is. And, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> she always tells me I'm the best husband she's ever had. And what a compliment. But uh, <laughs> no, I do, I do, in all seriousness, found myself so thankful for my incredible wife. And I think thankfulness is a, is a lot about, especially in marriage, a lot about perspective and what you choose to focus on. I mean, the truth is, I, you know, Emma could focus on the, the 5% of me that's not awesome or the 95% that's sort of somewhat awesome. And, I, and she chooses to focus most of the time on, on the good things, which is good. And I just tell her, you know, look, some things are just not my strengths. Like doing the dishes is, is not a strength. Not a strength. And I blame my Enneagram number. I blame that. That's the new thing to blame. Um, I'm a 12. And uh, Enneagram really is the Christian star sign, I've decided. <laughs> I'm just having to go to Enneagram people, and some of them are really upset right now. All the threes and the fives are so upset right now. <laughs> Sevens and eights, taking notes, they're cool with it. Anyway, I uh, found myself thankful for my children, my amazing children, despite the fact that they destroy my house, they cost me money, they interrupt my sleep. My son Jack punches extremely hard for a four-year-old, and he only punches me in two places. My face... And I'll let you guess the other area. But he doesn't miss. He doesn't miss. I'm so thankful for them. I'm so thankful for clean water, which is a crazy thing to be thankful for. But there are millions of people that would would really love this glass of clean water right now. I found myself so thankful for my job. I found, and I would say this, that, you know, if you're not thankful for your job, just know that someone on Craigslist right now is looking for your job. And they would happily take it tomorrow. I'll leave that there. I found that, that, that when I'm thankful for what I do have, I'm not ungrateful for what I don't have. And I think we'd all agree that gratitude is, is really a perspective, not so much an emotion. The gratitude is a filter in how we see and how we process. It's not a, a feeling that happens to us. It's a choice that, that we make. And it's a habit that, that we are responsible for developing in our world. And we live in a world that's dominated by feelings, don't we? Yeah. Oh, I just didn't feel 
like thanking my barista because I messed up my latte. My double shot, one pump vanilla, two pumps caramel, half, 2%, half whole milk, light whip, 142 degrees in a mug with a spinach and feta wrap on the side. Extra fin, extra feta, no spinach, please. They messed that up. And feel like thanking them. You know, really, Starbucks has two types of people going to it these days. The regular people like me that like to go in old school, kick it old school, go to the cash register, have conversation. Then there's the mobile order people. Oh, the mobile order people with all your tech savviness. They come in, they, they come in there, they are walking like this. I have got to get my berry hibiscus refresher. And they're often on the phone, really important phone call. I can't even stop. Sell the stock, I can't lose $100,000 today. They come in and they're, and they're moving fast to get their, their berry hibiscus refresher and they go to that little area and they start spinning all the drinks around looking for their name and they're complaining about where's my refresher? I ordered it one minute ago and that you should have it. <laughs> but we do, we live in a time where, where I think we, we need to be intentional about being thankful and grateful in our worlds. And uh, the title of my message today is the magnitude of gratitude. I wanted it to rhyme, and it was down to the attitude of gratitude, which has just been so overdone. Half the people in this room have preached a message called that at some point. <laughs> or gratitude for finger food, which is not really a message. It's not a message. I can't preach about finger food, although I could try. Amen to some, somebody, amen for that. Finger food's a good thing. And uh, let's pray. Let's pray and let's kick this off today. God, thank you for every single person here today at South Campus. I thank you that I'm going to preach quickly and well, and we're going to have some fun in church today, learn a couple of things together, and then we'll uh, go out and have lunch. Amen. 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 So 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18 is where we're going to kick this off today. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. It says this, real simple scripture, real easy. You could almost memorize this. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks in all circumstances. It's easy to give thanks when everything's going well, isn't it? But, but it's not always easy to give thanks when things aren't going well. That's just the truth for everybody in this room. About three weeks ago, Emma and I were flying into San Diego um, from a vacation, and it was, uh, about, our flight was getting in at 10.45 p.m. Saturday night, so it's not like early, but... Uh, Jorge Mendez was picking us up from the airport and we're, we're flying. We're almost, almost back at San Diego. And then the uh, pilot gets on the little radio and says, hey guys, uh, got some fog happening in San Diego. Not sure what's gonna happen. We'll keep you posted, which is not what you wanna hear <laughs> when you're flying. Uh, and then about five or 10 minutes later, yeah, guys, I'm sorry, uh, the fog is too thick. We are going to have to turn this plane around and take you to LAX. And we're like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> what? So, that, so that they, they turned us around, they, they literally flew us to LAX, they put us in a bus and we got a bus down, we got, I got home like 3 a.m., it was nuts. That's not the point of the story. The point of the story is, when they announced that, there, that it was too foggy, a situation out of the airline's control, it was amazing what happened in the airplane. People blaming the airline, people blaming the staff, like they created the fog. Alaska Airlines did not, they don't create fog. They fly planes. 
this is the best part. This lady next to me actually said to me, oh, the pilot didn't even try. He could have at least tried. Yeah, what's the worst that could happen? Death. Death for a couple of hundred people. What? And she was from San Diego. If she's here today, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you're here. The odds of that would be very low. If I see, if I see someone walking off like a Starbucks order right now, I know it's you. <laughs> Golly. Thankfulness. Perspective. Disclaimer, just a quick disclaimer here. Um, uh, this is not an anti-consumerism message. This is a pro-appreciation message. I want to throw that out there. A few years ago, I was working for an alarm company. I was doing a job in Carmel Valley. Carmel Valley is in the north county of San Diego. It's a beautiful place, phenomenal place to live. Uh, not as good as Chula Vista, but it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty up there. Um, I was doing this job for this couple, and they were probably 60 years old, and they were really unhappy. And I was like, wow, these guys are really unhappy. For people that live in a beautiful, it's a beautiful home. It, was, it wasn't enormous, but it was four bedrooms, three bathrooms. It was not a bad home at all. It was phenomenal. But they were really unhappy. And as I did the job, and we, and we talked, and, and, and we struck up conversation, what I, what I came to realize is that, is that they'd moved there from another part of town, which is even nicer. And in fact, their previous home was maybe two or three times the size of this home. So, so oh, it, was, it, it was interesting to me. You see, at the time, Emma and I were living um, in, in a home. We were, we were renting a room in a home uh, before we had children. We were renting a room. We were sharing a bathroom with like three or four other people. Uh, it was just not enough space for the amount of people living in the home. But that's what we, at the time, we, you know, we were just moving here. We we're just interns. We'd just gotten out of the internship. And so that's all we could do. So I was like, man, I would just be so thankful for this home. Yet these, this couple were so upset because in their mind, this was a major downgrade. They were, they were not appreciating the incredible blessing, the fact that you live in Carmel Valley, the fact that you have three or four bathrooms for two people. Like that's two bathrooms each. <sighs> you can't even use two bathrooms at once. And I just, it just got me thinking, gosh, can we just appreciate what we have? And, and I'm, I'm not saying that, that, that you know, don't aim high in life or, or don't, don't go for it. But I'm just saying, can we be appreciative? So I thought this would be a fun opportunity for me to show you pictures of the first home that Emma and I bought. Now this home, we bought this home. Emma was still in college. We were engaged. I was 20. She was 21. So this is not, a, this is not like an MTV Cribs episode. But this is a picture of the very first house we bought. That's it there. Look at it. Oh, so cute. So cute. Yeah, it was in the hood. It was in the ghetto. One night I was laying in bed, I heard noise outside. Some random teenage girls were smashing my neighbor's fence. It's such a weird thing. Anyway, um, so that, that's picture one of the, really the palace. Uh, the next picture, you can see just the beauty of, that was the, um, some artwork I purchased. No, this actually wasn't, this is not my furniture. Uh, but that was, the, that was like the one, this house was about 500 square feet. Like, I'm not joking. Five or 600 square feet of livable area. This is one of the areas. It's not even a room. It's just an area. Uh, then you can go to the next picture. Kitchen. Yeah, very high end. Um, granite. Extreme, like the tile work. Wow. Um, next picture real quickly. This is the best part. This is the only living room which doubled as a laundry. <laughs> How convenient. Watching Fixer Upper doing the laundry. <laughs> Brilliant. 
Brilliant. Anyway, you can take that down. I just thought it'd be fun to show you that. But the, the truth is this. I, I love that house. When we got it, we were like, this is amazing. We have our own house. We have five or 600 square feet of our own house. Because that was our perspective. We were so thankful. We were so appreciative for what we had. Started from the bottom. Now you're here. You've got to start from somewhere. Drake even understands that. Now listen, I want to make this really clear. I'm not trying to get you to aim for a lower destination. I'm trying to get you to aim for a high destination, but enjoy the ride there. But enjoy the ride there. Another disclaimer, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not. I'm not going to try and be. But I have noticed a few things. I've noticed that there are people and they're not happy in life. In fact, they're super stressed and they're driving cars they can't afford, buying boats they can't afford, living in homes they can't afford, buying more stuff they can't afford, and they can't sleep at night. So then they go to sleep number and they buy a $5,000 mattress, which they also can't afford because it's a $5,000 mattress. And I've just noticed that, that there's this thing out there about trying to impress people we don't know with money we don't have and, and people buying stuff. On, and, I, and I'm not trying to condemn that or make you feel bad or anything. I'm just trying to help you. you, know, if you if, I wonder if, if we could just increase our gratitude. If we could just increase our gratitude, maybe you wouldn't need to go out there. And I was talking to a young guy recently. He was telling me uh, he and his wife are going to buy a $40,000 SUV. And I'm like, look, dude, like, I kind of know like, how much money you make. Like, that's like a lot of money for you, man. Like, what, what, your wife's about to have a baby. You're about to go to one income. You want, you're going to buy a $40,000 SUV. I'm like, just throwing it out there. Why don't you buy a $15,000 SUV? Like, that's still, that's not bad. It's not like you're not going to roll up into the parking lot like embarrassed about your $15,000 SUV. But I'm just saying, if we could just learn how to be grateful for what we do have, we won't get putting ourselves in tough situations that we shouldn't be in. And I wonder if it's possible that the lack of gratitude has crept into some churchgoers. Now, I'm not trying to offend anybody. That's another disclaimer. Recently, I was in Starbucks, as I tend to be a lot. And these two ladies were sitting next to me and they were talking and I couldn't help but overhear them as they started to talk about all the churches they'd been to. And I was like, if you guys start talking about C3 and it's not good, I am, I am going to take this AirPod out and have a word. <laughs> but it was, it, was, it was just a fascinating conversation for me to, to eavesdrop on. Not that I meant to. But it was just interesting because they were complaining about everything. Oh, parking's hard at that church. Parking? Oh, it's not very friendly. The preaching's... All these different little opinions about churches and how all the things that are wrong with the churches. And I just felt like sharing with them a scripture. I didn't. I felt like sharing with them a scripture, one, a Psalm 100 verse 4, which says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Enter into the church with thanksgiving. Let's think about this for a second. We live in a country that allows us to worship. That's amazing. That's amazing. Let's give some thanks for the amazing country we live in this Thanksgiving weekend. That's amazing. Not only that, we live in a country that has such an amazing culture 
that we don't even ha- only have one or two churches to choose from in our local area. We have hundreds of churches in San Diego that we get to choose from. But I wonder if the downside to that is that it's kind of created a bit of a consumeristic Christian approach to church. Where it's, well, if this church isn't amazing, I'm going to try this church and 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 this church. And this church. I'm just wondering. I wonder if it's created some professional churchgoers. Wouldn't it be interesting to have a conversation with someone who, who lives in another part of the world where, where they've only got one church in their city to go to and it's illegal to go to that church? <laughs> I don't know if they'd be complaining about the parking. <laughs> oh, the pastor didn't shake my hand. Yeah, his hand got cut off last week, you guys. Like, I just wonder if we're a little bit, if we're a little bit entitled, if we're a little bit spoiled. Because we live in a great country, we live in a great city, and, there, and we have some amazing churches to choose from. You know, I love meeting, I love meeting new people who have never been to a church before. Oh, because they're so in awe of everything. They walk into our church like, flip, man, look at this carpet. Where'd you guys get it? I don't know, the carpet shop. Look at this pulpit. Is this real steel or what is it? It's silver. It's silver melted down from Europe and made from the... Silver medals from the 1996 Olympic Games. It's, they look around, they go, my gosh, black ceilings. Who would have thought? That's a brilliant idea. I love meeting people like that because they're so grateful. I don't know, but I love meeting the person who's a professional churchgoer because they've got an opinion about everything. Well, I like the sermon, but... Bro, if you can't tell me three good things about the sermon before you tell me the but, then I don't want to hear it. <laughs> oh, you know, uh, yeah, it's a pretty good church. Pretty good. Enter into his courts with thanksgiving. Come on, enter into his gates with praise. I would rather speak to a brand new Christian who's never been to church than the guy who's been to 10 churches in five years. Amen. All right, so what happens what happens if we, if we don't have gratitude? What, what are some things that happen? There's probably hundreds of things that happen to us if we don't have gratitude. But uh, I'm going to talk about like five or six really quickly, and then we're going to wrap this thing up. And you'll be grateful that I finished on time today. Uh, so the first thing is this. If you take a note, you may want to write this down. Without gratitude, we become jealous. Oh, we become jealous people. <laughs> This is extremely difficult, especially uh, with the, the day of comparison that we live in with social media and, and all that. And we do find ourselves trying to keep up with the Joneses. Uh, there is this comparison thing that exists, um, especially when you have one of those neighbors who are just like amazing. Like they're just good at everything. They're so successful. They've got abs. They're, they look perfect. Their house looks perfect. Their grass looks perfect. Even though it's fake, it still looks perfect. Like, they're, they're just like that person. You know, you know what I mean? Like, there was this guy named, um, named, let's just call him Mr. Smith. And Mr. Smith, uh, he, he, he's not the perfect neighbor, but he's doing all right in life. He, he went and got a, a 2018 Tesla. Mm, nice car. Just very standard, though. Standard wheels, standard car. Uh, he was so excited, Mr. Smith. When he drove home that day, he thought, you know what? I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to stop by my favorite ice cream shop, Baskin's. Grab myself a two-scoop sundae peanut butter and chocolate. Hmm. 
Mr. Smith rolls home. He parks his brand, well, not brand new, but you know, 2018, almost brand new Tesla in his driveway. And he so, so proudfully hops out of it and locks it, beep, beep, plugs it into charge. He's pumped about his Tesla. But then guess who drives in the street? Mr. Jones. And guess where Mr. Jones was that day? Also getting a Tesla. But he, Mr. Jones, got a 2019 Tesla with upgraded rims, tinted windows, paint upgrade, the full thing. So Mr. Smith all of a sudden is a little bit down about his 2018 Tesla. As Mr. Jones rolls into his parking lot, he hops out of the car and he's that neighbor I was just talking about. He's the guy with the abs. He's the guy that's just got it all together. He's the guy with the perfect wife, perfect children, perfect picket fence, perfect grass, perfect everything. Hops out of his Tesla. Mr. Smith sees him and he goes, oh, you got a Tesla as well? well what year model is he? He says, oh, it's the, the 2019. I was going to get the 2018, but I uh, read a couple of bad reviews. And Mr. Smith says, hey, Mr. Jones, I see that I see you've also got a, you also got Baskin Robbins. What, what, what would be the odds that we'd both drive home today in, in Teslas and have Baskin Robbins? What, I'm just curious, what did you get from Baskins? He's like, oh, my usual. Three scoops Sunday. <laughs> so now, Mr. Smith, a moment ago, Mr. Smith was pumped. He just got a 2018 Tesla. A two-scoop Sunday. That's a good day for anybody. He's about to walk into his house and sit down and celebrate. But now he's walking in and he's bummed. He's upset. Mr. Jones got a better Tesla than me. Upgraded wheels, tinted windows, upgraded paint. He's got three scoops on three scoops on three scoops Sunday. Ooh, I'm trying to watch my figure. All of a sudden, jealousy completely robs from Mr. Smith because he's so busy being upset about what Mr. Jones has, he misses what he has. And this is why jealousy is so bad and comparison always gets us into trouble because we will miss what we do have when we're focused on what we don't have. We will miss what we have when we're focused on what the Joneses have. So just stop worrying about that and just worry about what you got. Amen? All right. Number two, without gratitude, we become entitled. Uh, my children, who are six and four, so they're young. I've got time to help. Uh, they are somewhat entitled. And um, this time of the year is an awesome time of the year because it's Christmas. And every time we feel entitlement rising up in our children, we have an app on our phone called the Call Santa app. This app is a phenomenal parenting tool. It's brilliant because you can call Santa. And it helps. I'm just throwing some parents an assist right now that you are going to thank me for later. <laughs> the Santa app. Now, this year, unfortunately, spoiler alert, uh, if you've got any kids in the room, plug their ears. My little daughter does not believe in Santa now. So now we have a new strategy. Under our tree, we have presents. And there are two types of presents under our tree. The first type are real presents. And the second type of presents, much like these. <laughs> these aren't real. These aren't real. Well, maybe they are. Actually, that could be real. Forget that. So we have our real presents, then we have shoeboxes pretending to be presents. So every time my daughter starts getting a little extra entitled, we simply take one of the shoebox presents and throw it in the fireplace. I'm just joking. I'm kidding. 
You believed it. You believed it. I'm not a sick person. I'm not a sick person. <laughs> but it would be funny if someone did that. If someone does that, please tell me. That, but don't do that. But don't do that. So without gratitude, we, we become entitled. And I would say this. I would say that there is a difference between being entitled and being expectant. And I think it's important that we get this right. You see, entitled is the person who thinks they deserve something for nothing. But expectant is the farmer who sows the seed and expects a harvest. Entitled is the farmer who doesn't sow the seed and shakes his fist at God when there's no harvest. And I think one of the greatest things we could do as, as Christians, as, as, as people uh, who are living this life, one of the greatest things you and I can do is have gratitude and thankfulness, not entitlement. Amen? Amen. I found that, that um, without thankfulness for what we do have, we will inevitably feel entitled to what we don't have. All right, next point for all the note takers. Without gratitude, we become judgmental and opinionated. This is a heavy message. I'm sorry, guys. I'm trying my best to make this fun. So, so there, there, you know what I'm talking about here. The people that... Uh, that aren't thankful, they kind of become cynical. Cynical people uh, become critical people. Critical people become judgmental people. Uh, have you ever met that person that, that is like watching the football and they're always talking about like what they would have done? <laughs> like they're judging the quarterback as they sit on their lazy boy recliner and eat nachos <laughs> and they can, they can have the bowl on their stomach. It's like, it's like a built-in table. <laughs> Oh, if I was the quarterback, I wouldn't have done that. But you're not the quarterback. You're, you're, you're Jimmy. You're sitting on a couch right now. Sorry if your name's Jimmy. You're Joey. You're, you're sitting on a couch right now watching the football. Oh, if I was the boss, I wouldn't have hired that person. If I was the president, I wouldn't have done that. But you're not the president. You don't have to wake up every day with the weight of an entire nation on your shoulders. It's easy to judge what you're not thankful for. It's easy to have an opinion about what you're not thankful for. It's easy to, to get judgmental and have opinions. And I just think it's interesting. Because I, like I said before, I, I think we live in a magnificent country. We live in one of maybe the most magnificent country in the world. And, and I kind of get a little bit upset when people like don't get pumped about that. Like when someone threatens, I'm going to move to Canada. I'm like, well, then move. <laughs> You'll be back. <laughs> It's freezing up there. <laughs> You'll be back. I give you one year. <laughs> but I think we need, like, we, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. I know I'm preaching to the choir. I love our country. I love our country. We need to be, make sure that we are always thankful for this amazing country of America. And if you don't believe me, just travel. Get it? Just travel. I remember going to Thailand when I was 18 years old on a missions trip. My goodness, we live in an amazing country. So, um, all right, next point, next point. Without gratitude, we can become judgmental and opinionated. My next point is this. Without gratitude, we can become complainers. Ooh, some wives nudging their husbands, husbands nudging their wives. That'll be a fight on the drive home. Excellent. <laughs> complainers. Complaining, it really comes from a, a place of 
an unhealthy level of, of, of discontent in someone's personal life. And many of us know, and I won't go into it for the sake of time, many of us know the story of the, the Israelites spending 40 years trying to get to their promised land. And, and some would argue that, that the reason why that journey took so long was because they were complaining. A journey that was supposed to take 11 days took 40 years. To break this down, if my math is correct, it should have taken 11 days, but it took 14,600 days. That's like if you go to McDonald's and you order something, instead of it taking seven minutes, it takes six and a half days. And every five minutes you go to the counter and you complain about it and they just put you to the bottom of the pile. That's like going to the DMV and instead of it taking two hours, which is just traumatic, instead of it taking two hours, it takes three months and 20 days. Could you imagine being at the DMV for three months and 20 days, sitting on the plastic chair, looking at the floor that hasn't been upgraded since they built the building in 1972? Could you imagine? But, that, but that's to put it into context, that's how long they spent in the desert because of their complaining. I wonder if a lack of gratitude is the exact thing that causes us to complain, which in turn, as a result of that, causes us to stay in our desert longer than what we need to be. I've discovered this in my own personal life. It's hard to complain and be grateful at the same time. It's just, it's just too different. You can't do those things at the same time. This is why there's a magnitude to, to our gratitude because you see, God has a promised land for each and every one of us. And that promised land isn't going anywhere. The promised land is gonna be there. But it's up to you and I to actually journey ourselves there. And I wonder if there's some people today and, you, and you're tired about being in this desert and you know there's a promised land for you, but God's like, would you just learn how to be thankful? Would you stop complaining? And you'll get to your promised land. You'll get there. You'll get there. All right, my next point, moving along. Without gratitude, we can become anxious. All right. Philippians 4 verse 6 says this. Do not be anxious about anything. Honestly, I was anxious that I would fit into this suit today after what happened this week. But God is good all the time. He's a way maker. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. This is, this is important. You see, if you skim over the Scripture, you might miss the most important part. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. This, this should completely revolutionise the way that we pray. Because with prayer has to come thanksgiving. With prayer has to come thanksgiving. Prayer and thanksgiving should be like twins that are always together. They go together like Shaggy and Scooby-Doo, like Wayne and Garth, they go together. Do not be anxious 
But in every situation, pray, but pray with thanksgiving. The filter in which we pray should be done through the filter of thanksgiving. This will revolutionize the way that we pray. It will change the way we pray. Is it possible that our lack of gratitude or our lack of thankfulness is, is a root to some of the anxieties that we seem to struggle with? Is it also possible that thankfulness is the most underestimated and underutilized strategy in overcoming anxiety? Is that possible? Because I found this in my own battles with anxiety is that the more grateful I am for what I have, the less anxious I am for what I don't have. I've discovered that it's difficult to be anxious and grateful at the same time. Is it possible? The greatest strategy for overcoming anxiety is gratitude, thankfulness. I believe that God has more for every single person in this room. I would preach that message next week, God has more for you. Because I believe that God has got more for you. But I would also say that to balance that, while there is more, God wants to know, can you be content with what you have currently? Because if you're just content with what you have currently and you never, and you never want more, that's not right. But if you're always wanting more and you never stop for a second and just say, you know what? Man, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. Man, I, I may not live in a 20,000 square foot mansion. I may live in a couple thousand square feet in Carmel Valley, but man, I'm thankful. My first house may be 500 square feet, but I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for what I do have. It's easy to ask God for more, but I think God wants to know, are you content with what you have now? Because if you're not content with what you have now, guess what? When I give you what you want, you won't be content with that either. Because more is a moving target. Because there's always going to be the option of more. There's always going to be that neighbour, Mr. Jones. He's always going to be there. Even when you get the three scoops Sunday, guess what he's going to get? He's going to ask for a four scoop, which is not even on the menu, but I'm sure it's possible. God wants us to be content with what we have today, but at the same time, ask for more tomorrow. All right, my last point is this. Without gratitude, we may miss our miracle. There's this cool story. It's found in John chapter 6. Jesus crosses over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee. Huge crowds following Him. Jesus climbs a hill and He sits down with His disciples around Him. And Jesus saw a huge crowd of people coming towards Him. He turns to Philip and He says, Where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Luna Grill, He said. No, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> Luna Grill wasn't around back then, you guys. Verse 6, he was uh, testing Philip. He already knew what he was going to do. Jesus is so sneaky, isn't he? Verse 7, Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. And then Andrew spoke up. There's a young boy here with five loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Jesus says, tell everyone to sit down. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. 
the men alone numbered to about 5,000. So we have to assume it's probably 20,000 people there, if you include children. If it was South Campus, there'd be like 100,000 people there. <laughs> Let's just call it 20,000. Jesus took the loaves, He gave thanks to God, He distributed them to the people. And afterward, He did the same thing with the fish. And they all ate as much as they wanted. So verse 11 is really what this is all about. Jesus took the loaves, He gave thanks to God, and then He distributed them to the people. It doesn't even say that He knelt down and did some special prayer. It doesn't say that Jesus did some special Jesus trick. It doesn't say that He did like some Messiah dance move. <laughs> Jesus didn't do the hokey pokey. You put your two fish in, you put your two fish out. You put your two fish in and you shake them all about. You do the hokey pokey and you feed the crowd. That's what it's all about. And really, is the hokey pokey what it's all about? No. Have no gods before me. That's a commandment. The hokey pokey is not what it's all about. <laughs> New people are like, flip, I, that blows my mind. I really thought that's what it was all about. <laughs> Back to Jesus. He didn't do anything but look to heaven and be thankful. And then he distributed. Took the loaves, gave thanks to God, distributed them. Took the loaves, gave thanks to God, distributed them. Wow. How remarkable and how powerful is it to give thanks? I wonder if, and we've heard it before, but I'll say it again. I wonder if what we appreciate, appreciates. I wonder if what we're thankful for actually multiplies. I wonder if, if God is waiting for you to be thankful for what's in your hands before He can multiply it into your future. We often talk about being faithful in the small things, but I would put it to you and to me today that it's difficult to be faithful towards something that you're not first thankful for. I wonder if we miss out on the big things in life because we aren't faithful with the small things. And I wonder if we aren't faithful with the small things because we're not thankful for the small things. You see, it all comes back to thankfulness. It all comes back to gratitude. And we wanna live a big life and we wanna live a multiplied life. We wanna 10X our life. But God wants to know, will you just be thankful? Will you just be thankful for what I've given you? Because if you're thankful for, for what I've given you, you'll find it's going to multiply very organically, very naturally. Thankfulness leads to faithfulness and faithfulness leads to multiplication. Thank, thankfulness is the first step. I call this message magnitude for gratitude because for me, I never want to lose my gratitude. I never want to become so focused on the future and focused on doing things and focused on achievement and all these things are good. But at the same time, I don't want to miss gratitude and thankfulness for what God has for me right now. 
we're all, out, we're all out of time. So just in the last two minutes we have with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to I ask you a question today. I want to ask every single person in this room a question. Because you see, of, of everything you and I could be thankful for, the number one thing that we could be thankful for is the gift of salvation. The truth is this, that you and I, we had a debt to pay. We had a debt to pay, the debt of sin that we, we could not pay. And Jesus paid that debt for us. Our sin was paid for. And salvation is simply a gift to be received. But I don't know if you can receive a gift unless you're thankful for it. You know, until you, uh, until you and I actually count the cost of sin, we won't know the value of salvation. Until you and I know the, the weight of sin, we won't know the freedom of salvation. The world's worked pretty hard to diminish the weight of sin. The world's worked pretty hard to say that sin doesn't matter because essentially if you take away sin as being a thing, there's no need for salvation. But my friend, let me tell you today, the greatest gift that you and I could receive this Thanksgiving weekend is the gift of salvation. It's a free gift. It's a gift that is on offer to anybody who wants to accept it and receive it. You don't earn this gift of salvation. You simply accept it. You simply receive it. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to C3SanDiego.com. 